Welcome to Quest for Gold. I'm Ryan Burrow. We are about 90 days out from the Winter Olympics in China. U.S. men's figure skater Nathan Chen got back on track on his path to Beijing by winning gold at Skate Canada in Vancouver last week. That's coming after a disappointing finish at Skate America the week before. Two competitions of the Grand Prix events are down. Four more to go to qualify for the final, which will be held next month in Japan. American short track racer Kristen Santos scored a gold medal in the women's 1,000 meter in Japan this week. It's her second medal of the 2021-2022 short track World Cup. Season. The International Olympic Committee wrapped up its final meeting of the Coordination Commission for the Winter Games. They've been getting feedback on test events that have been set up for the sports ahead of the Olympics in Beijing. The IOC Coordination Commission Chair Juan Antonio Samaranch released a statement saying the feedback we've received from both athletes and the international federations has been very encouraging. The quality of the venues in particular has been praised, as well as the organizational support and on ground operations being delivered in China. China. Looking ahead to the summer games in Los Angeles in 2028, horse riding could be cut from the modern pentathlon and could be replaced with another sport, perhaps cycling. The decision comes months after a German coach was seen hitting a horse when it refused to jump a fence at the Tokyo Games. The Team USA Council on Racial and Social Justice has released its final recommendation on racism and discrimination aimed at promoting racial and social justice across the Olympic and Paralympic community. This recommendation focuses on how Racial inequities can be weeded out from an organizational standpoint, including external racial equity audits and promoting programs that encourage belonging and promote the visibility of minority groups. We turn our attention back to the upcoming games in Beijing. If she's able to make the U.S. Olympic team, it would be 27-year-old Lake Quaza's first Olympic Games. She got her start in track and field growing up in northern Illinois and somehow found herself on the ice in a sled and on a path to China 2022. Your Team USA bio said your coach recruited you for two years before you said yes, but here's the kicker to what it says on the Team USA website. Uh, she loves anything outdoors as long as it's in the summer. It's true. <laughs> I, I'm seeing a problem here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the cold. <laughs> you're not a fan of the cold. All right, but you, you grew up in Illinois, so you're used to snow, you're used to blizzards, you're used to six months of really miserable weather. Um, have you been anxious to get away from that kind of weather and that kind of situation? I think that's exactly what it was. Like, I was like, no snow and like snow all the time. Like, no, that's not going to be okay. (laughs) Where are you at right now? I'm in Lake Placid, New York. Okay. So still snow and ice, eventually snow and ice. Yeah. And it's like forties. So it's cold already. All right. So the the story of the track star turned bobsledder is, is not something new. We've, we've, we've heard this a lot. You're USA teammate, Lolo Jones, obviously a, a prime example of that if, if anyone's seen cool runnings, obviously, you know, that's a, another reference. What, what is it um, about these recruiters? Are they just hanging out at track and field locations looking for the next talent to, to move over and push a sled? I mean, what, what is that transition like and how did you get recruited? Um, so most of the recruiting actually is done by previous years. Like when I joined, um, it was mostly the drivers that did the recruiting. So they were looking for brakemen. Um, so they did a lot of recruiting just by watching um, big track meets and just keeping up with like times that people are running. Um, they actually did a really good job because it's pretty impressive to be an athlete and, you know, 
recruiting at the same time, but um, yeah, so that's what they did before. And then when I was recruited, actually coach Dion recruited me and he was like the, um, he was the push coach at the time. Um, and then he became our developmental coach and recruiting. Um, yeah, again, he just track meets, word of mouth, um, video. Some people have like random videos out there on the internet that they show how athletic they are. And literally a coach or somebody like, Hey, you should come try bobsled. So you have all those kinds of stories, but yeah, coach Dion recruited me. Um, after I had graduated college, I wanted to continue to run track. I ran for about a year, um, post-collegiate. And then that's when coach Dion called me again and was like, Hey, what about now you want to try bobsled? And so, yeah, in 2017, that's when I first came out and gave it a shot. Is there a particular skill set that you had, something that they were looking at versus anyone else? I mean, is it is it just speed that they're looking for? Or is it a, a certain kind of skill set? So it's like a combination of like speed and power. So um, as a brakeman or even as a pilot, you're running for maybe 30 meters at most, depending on the track. Um, so yeah, this the speed, but also how fast, you know, using your power you can get the sled moving initially and going down the track. So yeah, speed and power, that's pretty much the name of the game. And so, you know, it's, it's an idea, Hey, is this something you want to try out? Then you actually have to physically, well, you have to agree to it and then you try it out and then you decide, is this something I really like, or is this not so much for me? Tell me a little bit about that moment and, and kind of, uh, you know, dipping your toes into, into that world. So I came out for rookie camp and, um, we were just on dry land, pushing a sled on some tracks with wheels. And um, that was super fun. I was like, wow, if this is bobsled, like this is, we do sled pushes and pulls and track. Like, but now I get to do it, you know, as a sport and get recognized for, you know, pushing a sled. Um, so that got me kind of hooked. And then once it got cold enough, was invited back. And that's when I took my first run down the actual track. Uh, the first that time. I want to ask you about because it looks fun. It looks like you just get into a roller coaster and you put your arms up and away you go. But I have a feeling that's not the case. Nope, it's definitely not. Um, yeah, it's. I think I still have that feeling every year when I get on the track for the first time, and you just. It's like you know what to expect, but you don't really know what to expect until you actually get in the sled. And it's just rattling you, pushing you around, and it, the pressure, like 5Gs um, at some tracks and some corners. So that's a lot of force pushing you down into the sled. Um, you can't breathe. Uh, there's just a lot going on. And that first time I got out of the sled and I, I thought I was crazy. I really thought I was crazy, didn't know what to expect. And um, it definitely took that second one. If I didn't get in the sled the second time, I probably wouldn't have stuck around. But after you go in it the first time, get over it, and then get it, get back in the sled, um, it was like, well, this is, this is dope. Like, this is really cool, you know? So, yeah, it definitely took a second time for me to like it. <laughs> It's it's full throttle though. They don't have like a, they don't have like a training like okay we're gonna start off slow here. It's it's straight on push and go and get used to it. I guess. Huh? Yeah, there is no I guess baby step or crawl phase. Have there been any crashes? Have there been any close calls? Have there been any bad anything? Or have you been pretty smooth so far as as far as um, your training? 
I would say my second year was when I had my first crash and all of my crashes, actually. I think I had four for that season. Um, they weren't bad as bad for me as they were for my pilot at the time, but um, it's one of those things you just kind of get up and keep going. You know, you expect that it could happen. And yeah. You don't get gun shy when something like that happens. It's 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 just part of the game, and and you're ready to to jump back in there again. There, there was no pause after that and saying, "Well, I need to reevaluate and see if this is something I want to do." Because looks terrifying to me. Yeah, no, for sure. I was. Um, I'm going to give a lot of credit to adrenaline after you crash. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, all you want to do is just come on, let's go. We're good. Like I'm okay. I'm okay. And as an athlete, you never want to you never want to fail, especially in front of people. So. I think that was the biggest thing is just, no, let's go, let's go, let's go. But Is the mental aspect of, of bobsledding the same as it is for track? Or do you feel like you've got to put yourself in a different mindset before each run than you did previously? I mean, it, maybe, maybe it's a growth thing. Obviously you've, you've, you've been getting older and, and your, your brain is maturing, but are, are there certain things that you're thinking about now that you're doing now that you weren't doing in track or maybe just a different mindset? No, you're, you hit it right on the head with saying like, it's a growth thing. Um, in college, I was more so, I was super passive. Um, I didn't really, um, I took it seriously, but it, I, I don't know. It, it is different. And as I grew, um, I realized how much I wanted this dream, this goal to be an Olympic Olympian to happen. Um, I think I just got more focus and that focus turned into like a, not an anger, but as an athlete, you just, you get so focused that you're so determined that you will do anything. And it kind of shows through your actions and uh, your mindset, like before race. So do you hit that state of flow where everything just kind of comes together? I mean, are, are you getting to that point more frequently than maybe you were before? Yeah, I would say more frequently and just more confident about um, getting to that flow. We saw what happened with Simone Biles in the uh, in the summer games. Are you able to kind of push that stuff to the side, I, I, whether it be just before um, you know you're you're about to go, or uh, maybe the day before, or just in life in general? Are you able to kind of push aside the fears and anxieties, or do you lean into them? How do you kind of approach that? Yeah, um, I think life in general. I kind of just. I, I lean in them for the most part because I know it's going to help me grow. Um, but, and I know at the end of the day, it's going to be in the backseat. Like it's, it's no big deal. Like get through this and you'll be fine. But when it comes to like bobsled in general, um, I think I, I pretty much do a good job of getting rid of it right before I get to the line. Um, because that's, I've, I kind of tell myself like, okay, you've done everything up to this point. Like you're ready there's nothing to worry about. Like you're going to be fine. You guys are going to do well. Um, and yeah, I just go for it. You find yourself to be more process driven or do you find yourself to be more results driven? Can you be process driven in a sport that's so heavily focused on hitting certain times? I mean, is it, are, are you getting to a point where it's like, well, I know that I did this right and this right and this right. So wherever the results land is where the results land, or is it however I need, whatever I need to do to get the results I need. Yeah. So sorry. Um, whatever I need to do to get myself in the position to get those results, mm-hmm. I think it's more important than getting the results. Um, uh, cause a lot of times people, not athletes to put a lot of pressure on themselves. 
um, to hit marks, 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 but the time of those marks where you're supposed to hit them, it might, something might happen. There might be a different situation, different scenario that you're in that you couldn't have prepared for to, and that might've knocked you back. But um, I think just being able to put myself in those positions and accept the outcome of what happens because of the circumstance, there's always a circumstance. Um, Nothing's perfect. So I think that's kind of what I do, put myself in that position in order to get close or get that mark. What do you do when you're not training? Do do you do much meditation? Do you do much um, uh, physical like weight training? Do you do much uh, uh, aerobic training? How how does, how does the training work? Um, So we pretty much right now we're training, I would say five, four to five days a week myself. That's my schedule. Um, and it's a lot of weightlifting, a lot of sprints, a lot of, um, we have a new ice house here in Lake Placid. So we've been fortunate enough to be able to push on ice. Um, so we've been doing that two times a week. Um, but outside of that, no meditation or anything like that. I read my Bible a lot and that's, um, pretty much as meditated as I get, but I just kind of try to stay relaxed and take myself out of, you know, that mode of bobsled. I know talking with a lot of track and field athletes, they kind of try to peak at a certain time, especially before a big event. Do you find yourself doing the same thing or are you just running through the same motions to try to get those motions down every time? I guess, are you trying to ramp up to something or are you just trying to stay as steady as possible? Um, at some point, maybe right before the season really gets started, I'll try to ramp up to get to a certain mark. And I think that ramp up for me this season was push championships, which we had um, a week or so ago. Um, so I was ramping up for that in order to put myself in a position to make the team, um, to get me closer to that Olympic medal. So um, yeah, other than that, I don't right now, I'm just kind of on train mode. Kill your yeah, body. <laughs> where, where are you at in the process right now? I mean, they haven't named a team yet, right? We're still a little ways away out from that. Yeah. So they're not naming the Olympic team until like a month out or so from the games. So we'll go through a whole season of bobsled races, World Cup, and um, then they'll reevaluate the brakemen and decide who will go. So, yeah. So the, 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 the federation will decide which, which athletes they choose. It's not as though you're trying to hit a certain mark or hit a certain, obviously those help, but the, the, the governing body ultimately decides who those athletes are, who they send to Beijing. Yeah. And ultimately they go off of numbers. So it will be essentially based on the marks, but not, we don't see it that way. We, I mean, you get a race and you do well. <laughs> As the U.S. qualified bids already, are those already in the can? It's just a matter of filling out who's going to be on those sleds, or is there still a process of figuring out how many sleds the U.S. will be entering in? Um, so we're guaranteed two sleds. Um, so they'll be with the potential of the third. So it's still going to be kind of up in the air, kind of last minute. If we do qualify, hopefully we do, we should qualify that third sled. Um you know, who goes and what happens from there. But for the most part, we'll have two for sure. And so we can say two brakemen for sure will be named. Have you ever been to China before? 
have not. Nope. Okay. Never been. What do you think about these games being in China? Obviously, um, you know, there's a little bit of history there over the last couple of years with coronavirus and, um, you know, their human rights are obviously a huge issue that a lot of people have brought up. Um, you're trying to reach the peak of your athletic performance. So I don't think that anything is probably going to stop you at this point, but have you had moments of pause and thought to yourself, is this, you know, where I want to be or, or kind of considered your options um, with, with these games being in China? Um, I haven't honestly thought about that, but I think I would be, I guess I'd been kind of at peace and not really thought about it too much or worried about it too much. I think when it comes time for the games and things like that, and when they do happen, um, I'm hoping at least out of it, it'll bring some good light, you know, from the country, from what happens, whatever, you know, I hope it's, it's going to be a positive experience for everyone. Um, and yeah. I think the, the the thing that we saw in the summer games was for the most part, it was safe as far as, you know, COVID-19, they kind of kept everyone in a bubble. They kept people separated kind of stings for the athletes because they don't get that same Olympic experience, but you're feeling based on the protocols that maybe you've been reading about that you've been taking a part in that everything's going to be safe and, and there's not going to be much of a, a, a health issue. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the goal. Um, if they follow the same kind of guidelines that they did for Tokyo, I think, there shouldn't be any issues for the athletes. Um, and we actually have some teammates there now or traveling there now for the test event. So um, it'll be kind of like a, a run through of how the games will actually work and things like that. Are you with the sled when it travels or do you just kind of show up in these locations and voila, there you go. Yes. We just show up and uh, hope they're there. Sometimes they're delayed, but yeah, they we travel separate and end up there at some point. Do you do maintenance on them all at all, or, or are they just kind of set and ready to go for you? How, how does that how does that whole setup work? So that I think that's the coolest part about bobsled is like just how everything operates. Um, like we do, we have a mechanic. He does the big things, but as far as little bolts or nuts or adjusting D rings or your seats or adjusting your steering in the sled we do all of that um mostly the drivers they know the ins and outs of their sleds um but as a brakeman it's super super important to know so you can help um and notice if there's something wrong but it's super cool just being able to like be working on something that you're getting into to hopefully cross the line first at any event so it's like super cool Definitely Are those part. little modifi- can those little modifications be the difference between podium and yeah. no podium? Yeah, equipment is is huge in this sport. So one little like our runners, um, those are the blades on the bottom of the sled. So one little scratch that you can't see with the naked eye without a flashlight mm-hmm. can literally put you back hundreds. So yeah, one little thing can definitely make or break is there is there one kind of sled or are there multiple different kinds are people running out there with is it like an automobile or like a bicycle where some people have different brands some people have different styles yeah they're they're different brands and if you uh so we have on our team right now we're sponsored by bmw so we have some bmw sleds that they manufactured um and then um we have some other sleds that the pilots use btcs um throughout the season and Kaylee Humphreys, she actually, last year, I don't know how many sleds she tried, 
but not each race, but some of the races, she actually tried different sleds. So it was just crazy to see like, man, like there are sleds and equipment that's better than others. Tell me about the military aspect of this. When did, how how did, how did this all become a part of your life and and when? (laughs) Okay. Um, I'm not laughing because I'm just like, Whoa, okay. Military. It's that's a story. Um, but so we have, I have some teammates and like some of the coaches are in the world-class athlete program. Uh, we call it WCAP and that's through the army. Um, air force has it as well. Um, but we, um, you pretty much go to basic training, go to AIT. I decided to do this after my first season on world cup. So in 2019, that's when I decided to, because everybody said it was a good idea. And so that's what I did. Um, mostly for financials. I was working two jobs in Iowa and then flying here when I could to train and stuff like that. So yeah, they do a really awesome job by, you know, supporting us that way. But yeah, 2019 decided to join and so far, no regrets. Um, military has been awesome. Army has been awesome. Super understanding. We're able to do things that some people can't because they have to work. So yeah. Have you, have you been called to do anything yet? You have, so would that be national guard? Yeah, I'm active duty. Um, so I was trained as a 91 Bravo, which is a mechanic. Um, so I was trained, trained that for a regular job. Um, but sent to W to the WCAP program to bobsled. Um, so when we were in season, bobsled is our job. Um, and we don't really get called to do anything. Um, but there is that chance. You never know that we sure. could be called. So, yeah. Well, if, I'm sure if you would have told yourself five, 10 years ago that you'd be in bobsledding and, and have signed up for the military. Uh, no, Not <laughs> you'd be a little surprised. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about that earlier. Like, Oh my gosh, my path to get right here. What? <laughs> But it seems like it's it's been a great path to this point. Oh yeah, I definitely can't complain. I, how how does it work with um with and you don't have to get too specific, but like the financials, they they take care of all that. Uh, USA Bobsled's able to to move you around a little bit and for travel expenses and things. You don't have to go out and get your own sponsors. Um, I don't have to, but I could. Okay, it's always an option. So the military is just my main job, just like any other athlete goes and works their other job or remotely. Um, yeah, the military is that for me. It's just that constant. Um, but I do have like um, just random other jobs that I pick up to just to make some more money to help fund the season and help other people if I need to and stuff like that. So, yeah. I assume the goal, the expectation, make the team, win a medal. Is that, I mean, is that kind of where your, your, your path is? Yes. <laughs> yes. Besides getting through the season healthy. Um, yeah. Do you have to envision yourself there every day? Do you have to envision yourself in Beijing? Do you have to envision yourself on that podium or is it, is that too overwhelming? Do you need to take it step by step? Um, I haven't gotten there yet because I think for me, being able to visualize is super hard to visualize something that I haven't seen or mm-hmm. experienced. So there are days where I'll try to visualize, um, but the emotions and the pictures that I get, I'm sure don't, it's not enough. 
Uh, but I do do that sometimes. But I think just telling myself like, all right, you're going to be on the podium. I think self-talk more than visualization for me right now is does more. Um, where can people find you on social media? Are you active Twitter, Instagram, TikTok dances? <laughs> None of that, but I have a, a Facebook and an Instagram. Um, it's just my name, Lake Quaza, and that's it. We wish Lake good luck. We'll continue to follow her quest for gold. Next week, we talk to a speed skater eyeing his third Olympics with a different mindset and hopefully a better result. I'm Ryan Burrow. We'll see you next week right here on Quest for Gold.